You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 96, Fancy Wild Thing. And coming to you from the freshly vaccinated suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Fairwage Matola. <laughs> Oh, you getting paid why you a f- always take a why you always take a sip when I tell him my nickname? You're like uh, almost spit it out. I got a second to wet my whistle. Uh, so, so are you getting paid a fair wage? Oh well, that's um, this is a um, this is another oddly enough another nickname that I think I coined I coined myself at work because I am I am in charge of. Uh, you know, pay increases in certain cases. Mm-hmm. And so somebody was talking to me about, oh, I think this person, you know, deserves this at their next pay increase. And I'm like, hey, you know me, they call me John Fairwage Matola. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's my next nickname on the show. <laughs> well, when you're the one that came up with that nickname, <laughs> that doesn't mean it's... Uh, <laughs> if your workers came up know. with that that nickname, then maybe it would be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if everybody agreed. I think they looked at me and they're like, not so fair wage. Yeah, they're like John Fairwage with the like, yeah, that's something like what we were thinking of to call you. <laughs> <laughs> it's more accurately John pay increase Matola. <laughs> <laughs> John some sort of pay. <laughs> they call you John five cents Matola. <laughs> <laughs> uh well they're still calling me three pepper over there from a couple oh, of three episodes pepper stock, ago. Huh? It's yeah, stuck. well, I mean, That's... three uh, three pepper was in in reference to I said they they said that I was spicy, but I didn't clarify when I said that it was my attitude was spicy because I was acting all out of sorts. You know, I, I've been known to get uh, spicy and opinionated, and you know uh, all that kind of stuff. So they're like, "Oh, he's at like so now." They're like, "Oh, look out! He's at three pepper level today." You know, if I'm getting particularly <laughs> agitated, so. Yeah, my reputation precedes me. I think three peppers is your is your baseline. You can you can bring it up to five easily. <laughs> it's like rating when we uh, rate well, songs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, actually, we should we should do that now. It's just like four peppers, <laughs> four peppers, two point oh, five peppers. Well, maybe we'll do that if it's ever appropriate. So yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, maybe a salsa deep the deep purple salsa album, you know. <laughs> salsa they have some they have some pretty spicy songs but um but yeah but we're not talking about deep purple today we're talking about a band uh that is tangentially related to deep purple so we'll get into that in a little bit but yeah you you brought up before the show this is probably only the second time ever that we've done a band done a uh album that basically has uh either nobody in it no that was actually members. in deep purple and also no because we've done like covers and stuff so no deep purple songs and no members of deep purple actually in this band but as we'll get get right. into so do i have something on my eyebrow you were like <laughs> you the uh, way you're no, scratching I'm, your I'm eyebrow looked like i had That's... something on my eyebrow <laughs> no i'd just be like nate 
I don't um, want any of our but, uh, yeah, YouTube so if, um, viewers to, to, to think I look like a fool. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is so for basically if time, uh, you are not interested in tangent, what did you call it? Tan tangent tangential. Oh boy. <laughs> and then, yeah if you're not if you're not interested in that then you might want to skip this episode yeah um but you know it's 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 uh definitely got some connections to deep purple and uh th- th- we're we're gonna see a bunch of uh these are these are all people that we've seen on various episodes in the past uh, with some of our projects uh, like Ian Gillen Band, a Butterfly Ball and such. Uh, so, yeah, if you're interested in that, uh, stay tuned. Or if you just like our general nonsense, stay tuned. If you're like, eh, I'm still mad that they haven't done the Deep Purple album in a while, then, you know, skip it. Go do something else with your time. Enjoy some time with your, your family and loved ones and uh, skip this week's episode. But, um but I think it will be to your detriment because this should yeah, be an interesting one. The heck with us, indeed. Yeah, I um, think so. But, but, uh, but before we move on, <laughs> uh, if you if you do like what you hear and you don't want to skip by this, please, uh, if if you want to continue the show and continue to support the show, you can do it a few ways. One is leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Always appreciate that. Two is by donating either via Patreon or PayPal. You can donate as little as $1 a month. If you're receiving any sort of value for this show and you want to give us some value back so we can continue to pay the bills, buy new records, all that sort of happy stuff, save up for the new conf- save up for the new uh, computer fund because, uh, as I've been talking about for a while, this computer's quite old. And one day I'm just afraid I'm going to oh go boy. to sit down and record the show and be like, oh, guess what, John? <laughs> We're not recording for a couple of weeks until I can purchase no all show the parts and rebuild, uh, rebuild the, the sound system here. Um, but yes, uh, to, to thank our supporters at the $20 Shades of Deep Pockets tier, we have Ryan M. At the $15 Highball Shooter tier, we have Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg. At the $10 Someone Came tier, we have Steve Seaborg of NameOnAnything.com and AllTheWorldToStage.net. We have Jeff Bryce, Gerald Kelly, and hey We Hi-oh. have a new patron. That's Victor Campos. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Victor. Uh, Victor, I'm pretty sure I have right. Campos or Campos? Camp- Campo? Camp- Campos. Victor Campos, we'll say. I'm going, I'm, my, my final answer is Victor Campos. What do you think, John? I think that your nickname should be, your permanent nickname should be Nate Shaky Pronunciation Baudry. <laughs> no, no, as, we, as, as we'll get to in a little bit, I think my, my pronunciations have been pretty good. At the $6.66 tier, yeah. we have Richard Fusey. The $5.99 nice price tier, we have Fielding Fowler. At the $5 money lender tier, Greg Sealby, John Convery, Arthur Smith, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Kenny Wymore, Jesper Alman, and Oleksii the Perfect Stranger, Slypakov, who told me on first, tri- uh, first uh, attempt... That I got his name spot on, so there you go. Alexi will be will stand in my corner. At the three dollar nobody's perfect tier, oh. we have Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Anton Glaving, Will Porter, and Andrew Meyer. And at the one dollar made up name tier, Els Murder, Spacey Noodles, the Detestable Leaky Mausoleum, Michael Vader, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto nineteen ninety nine fanatic, which I was listening to the Concerto nineteen ninety nine today. Fantastic, Raf Calf, and of course James North. Thank you to all of you for your generous support. James North has still not come in with a, a fake name. So. I still think that's funny. <laughs> I still think that's funny. Come but on, Steven, James, pick something. <laughs> Steven Somerville, too, is going with the real name, but did add the Concerto 1999 fanatic. So maybe James North can be like the... Well, I mean, I like that. That's, yeah, that's something, yeah. 
And it's interesting because like how many like 19 concerto 1999 fanatics are there? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously a lot of people love that concert and went to it and all that. But to 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 be that obsessed with that particular piece of the band's history is really interesting. Like James North. I mean, you can't come in with James Machine Head North or something like everybody loves Machine Head. You're going to have to do some deep digging, James North. Like what what could what could he be? James North. I don't know. I think that, that flows pretty nice. James Gemini Sweet North. <laughs> or like I said, maybe maybe James North is not his real name. So jokes on us. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our know. brothers we... at the Deep Dive Podcast Network. <laughs> Sabbath Buddy Podcast, Skinner Reconsidered, T-Bones Prime Cups, In the Last of the Pods, <laughs> In the Lap of the Pods, and the Magician's Podcast. Shaky pronunciation. Uh, shaky. I, 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 I'm not. Oh, the Magician's Podcast mug right there. We won't we be able to see it. You have to make some go, noise Scott. so that. <laughs> oh, here's the here's the mug, Scott. <laughs> there you go. Some YouTube, yeah, Scott. And everybody. You can send us a check for that, Scott. Um, if you sold as many and, mugs uh, as we have, we have and, plenty uh, of mugs, by the way. If anyone wants one. Oh, he's double fisted. I, I always have our mugs on hand. Double fisted <laughs> over here. So, um, so speaking of the Magicians Podcast, uh, you were recently a uh, a guest host. Weren't you? Yes, that's right. I was. Uh, was oh yeah, it was this week? Wow, this week was crazy with work and all the snow and everything. So, um, yes, I uh, 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 between snowstorms and getting vaccinated, and then getting feeling really lousy the day after getting vaccinated and shoveling some more. Um, oh. I was also on the Magicians Podcast. Oh. Hmm. Well, congrats, congratulations, and I'm sorry, and congratulations again. <laughs> It was, it was it was a lot of fun. We did the um the the the, the magician's birthday, the song the magician's birthday, and uh, which is a very long song. So mm-hmm. we split it into three episodes. So of course everyone was joking that because I was on, it had to be put into three different episodes because that's what we do here. So um, um might not have been everyone. It might have been butterfly just balled it, huh? <laughs> I butterfly balled it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a ton of fun yeah. being on the show and hanging out with Scott is always fun. So that was that was a blast. Um. So, yeah, so tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, vaccination. Yeah, I went to, I, I, I went on Walgreens and got my first and second dose booked and uh, was able to go in there and and uh, yeah, I got I got I got the shot and you know the flu shot usually kind of hurts the next day. Well, this was kind of like yeah. if uh, you know Mike Tyson punched you in the shoulder, sort of like five times as bad as a flu shot. I was just, like, I couldn't even move my arm, and then I just felt like. Really? Uh, of course, the next night I was working late at work, so I was just dragging so bad. I was just like, I just wanted, you know, you just want to get back into bed and just curl up and under the sheets and go to sleep. That's all I could think about all day was going home and going to bed. Um, but yeah, I, I went to bed the next day, felt fine. So now was that was that because like uh, the 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 physical in the arm like the Mike Tyson feeling or did you like physically make you feel like yeah I just felt or... I just felt really tired just like uh, like uh, mm. I don't even know how you describe it, it felt like basically when you have the flu and you're so tired like mm. I was going at work and I was going up the steps and I made it about halfway up the steps at my normal speed and then I just realized oh my god I can't keep up this pace and I just uh, and I was huffing and puffing going up the rest of the stairs and uh, yeah just I just was cold not like not chills but like very cold like just I just like all I could think about was being warm and in bed and not standing up and unfortunately I had to be mm. all 
the opposite of that all night at work, standing up oh, on my oh, feet and oh, everything. Yeah. So, um, but but, but yeah, yeah was, at least um, you know, at least you you got it and you're you know you're feeling feeling good and that's good. Yeah, exactly. It it uh yeah that that it was pretty small price to pay. I just felt tired for a day. They say the second the second dose is much worse, so they actually recommend you take the next day off of work. If I had known how I felt, I would have oh, done really? that this time, but I didn't have much time because I had booked it like two days in advance, so I just took whatever slot they had available. Wow. I had to drive way up into Chicago to get the shot, and then, um, just, God, it's probably the first time I've been to Chicago in like a year. <laughs> Usually go a lot more often. Um, yeah, but then the next shot I have is, city. is really close by. So, yep, that's so. the windy city, right? Is when it was very windy. The wind chill was about negative thirty-five that day. So, well, um, let me tell you something um, before we move on, which has nothing to do with anything. Well, maybe the windy city. Okay. So there's this this popcorn thing that they have at Whole Foods, and it's called the Windy City Mix. You must have seen it. Of course. And it's got, and it's got the, and I, and I think we talked about it before, maybe not on the show, but like I had discovered a bag of it and, uh, you know, it has the, the popcorn covered in cheddar and then some of them covered in caramel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, uh, let me see. I think there were eight servings in the bag. Uh oh. <laughs> and I toasted the whole bag. Oh yeah. It was so friggin' good. Yep. Oh, and I'm just like. Ah, uh, if the Windy City is wrong, I don't want to be right. Ah, as I'm like shoving it in there. It's like, I never thought that like cheddar cheese popcorn and like caramel popcorn mixed together would be any good, but I am a believer. Yeah, it's a Chicago staple and uh, they usually do it with like the, the really bright neon orange uh, cheddar popcorn yes. and the caramel, the caramel corn. And um, yeah, it's one of those things that I never really had much until I moved here. And there was one a couple years back, I was taking a week off of work. And for whatever reason, the last day uh, I got out of work and I had a bag of that. And I was just like, I was the same thing. I had a, I had beer and I had that bag of popcorn. I got home from work late. The kids were already asleep. And I, I was just like, I'm celebrating the beginning of my week off of work with this beer and this bag of popcorn. And I ate way too much of that bag of popcorn, maybe the whole thing. And just was like, that was my way to yeah. celebrate. Like I am officially off of work. Like this is, this is it. Um, I don't recommend it though. Well, let me tell you if, if the, <laughs> if the authentic is as good as the, the one that I got that, that they make here, then uh, that's one of the first things that I'm getting when I come out to visit you. Well, I got to look around, make sure nobody's looking. But I honestly like the one the one that you got better uh, than the uh, the authentic one around mm -hmm. here, because it does. It's that kind of Cheetos Ooh. cheddar flavor in the, the one around here, which isn't which isn't bad. Mm -hmm. But the, the one that, that you're talking about is the one that I had. And it's more of like an actual cheddar cheese flavor. And it's fantastic. Yeah. And then they've got the uh, the Chicago oh, yeah. style hot dog with the, the relish. That's like the neon green relish. Like they put like it like it's you've never seen relish like this. It's crazy. So if you come visit me, we'll get Chicago style hot dogs. We'll get that. We'll get that. Um, po that popcorn. We'll sit down here. We'll, we'll do an episode live from the studio. With both of us. We could we could Ooh. we could read a deep. I, I still haven't opened that deep purple book behind me, so maybe we can open that and just do a do a reactions video to that. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> like, like the night before Christmas, I can be like sitting on a throne <laughs> opening it. You'll be sitting on the floor like this, listening <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> while I read passages. 
you know, just spitballing ideas. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll flesh that out a little bit more. <laughs> or actually, you've, yeah, maybe we can involve your kids or something. They can, they can sit around and go like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they've never done that in their lives, right? No. <laughs> never they'll, sat that still. They'll get bored after three pages and be like, yeah, we're going to be playing video games if you guys want to keep doing this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, well, anyway, sorry for the uh, the the side track there, but you know, I just, I had to, I had to bring this to everybody's attention. That popcorn is goddamn delicious. Well, I don't know if you remember years ago, well, not this past New Year's, but the New Year's before that, a couple years ago, um, Nick mm. from Pot of Thunder gave me his recipe for the Chicago mix cookie. And it's basically like a cheddar, like a savory cheddar biscuit dough, and then a dolce de leche cookie dough. And then you roll them up like a pinwheel and bake them and then cut them into coins okay. and bake them. So he gave me that recipe and I had, I had, enjoyed some on the show uh around that time and he makes them every year around christmas and uh also quite good and he's he's from the general area so maybe next time he's on we can have him in the studio how about that um if he wants to drive all the way up here um so anyway uh getting moving along uh jeff uh bryce emailed us uh about deep purple and the doors uh, saying, um, interesting show. Enjoyed today's show. Interesting idea. Um, here's a bit of Purple Doors relationship. Episode six used to perform Spanish Caravan and Light My Fire as evidence on the Radio One mm. Club Session CD and the Cornflakes and Crazy Foam CD. Also, check them out. I have Cornflakes and Crazy Foam back there somewhere. Um, plus this, on the CD, a classic rock salute to the Doors from 2014. Joe Lynn Turner sings Riders on the Storm. Steve Morris plays guitar in Touch Me. And Ian Gillen sings on Light My Fire. Surprisingly, Glenn Hughes doesn't show up on this one, as he seems to be on every other tribute <laughs> album in the world. <laughs> Which is very... That is, that very is true. accurate. Um, so you, thank you, Jeff Bryce. Another another uh, great tidbit uh, from Jeff. Uh, really always appreciate his uh, his vast knowledge and amazing collection uh, pictures that he shares with us so um really cool um thank you for sharing that so yes this week we are tackling fancy so uh, a few reasons why we're doing that uh first is um we were talking about what episode to do and what came in the mail it was released last week but boom fancy the complete recordings the box set from cherry red records um and i should put a link in the show show notes to this um, I, I tweeted about it on Twitter the day it came out and all that sort of stuff. It came super fast, even though it was shipped from the UK. Uh, but it's a three CD set of their first album, Wild Thing, their second album, Something to Remember, and then something called Let's Go On Somewhere, which is uh, a live performance of them. Uh, so p- performing in London in June of 1975. So... Um, I just had to have this album because I, I love Mo and Ray and uh, all their work. And if you've been following the show at all, or if you don't know, Fancy is basically the backing band from Butterfly Ball. Uh, you know, the Jesus Christ Superstar had the Grease Band backing them up for in Juicy Lucy and most of those guys. And for the Butterfly Ball, they had these three guys with this, the core rhythm section backing up that entire album. And so uh, I, I got really into into all those guys and all the stuff that they did. And uh, we talked to Ray Fenwick a while, maybe six months ago, seven months ago, we, we had him on the show, which was great. And um, yeah, this is really cool. So it's, it's a really nicely put together box set, not that expensive. 
Um, I think it was in pounds, but I think it only came up to like a little under $30 with shipping, which isn't too bad. Uh, but a really nice box set if you're interested in learning more. Um, but basically the whole idea of this band came together with Mike Hurst, who was the producer. And he said he always loved the song Wild Thing, but he didn't think that the Trogs version was sexy, which I think is like a really weird. Um, he's like, ah, that's not sufficiently sexy enough for me. So he's decided that he loved the Jimi Hendrix version, but he wanted to do it in a different way. And he said, would the song be sexier if it was sung by a woman? Probably, depending on the woman. Um, so and that's where it kind of came up with. So. He calls up Ray Fenwick and he says, hey, let's work on this arrangement together, uh, but we need a singer. And he says he doesn't remember who suggested it, but the the, the singer that that uh, they got was Helen Kant, who was up. Uh, she had per- previously worked for Rod Stewart, but was known for being a penthouse pet. So um, so I guess the, they got the sexy part down as far as looks go. But what what about the singing? Right. Um penthouse pet looks great on paper but uh are you going to want to listen to a penthouse pet singing so um ray brings in mo foster they get to work on the song henry spinetti on drums mike hurst and ray fenwick on blacking vocals and and hurst wanted to be slow and funky but have splashes of sex as he says eventually he um he he, helen Kant couldn't sing (laughs) so it seems like this is where the plan starts kind of falling apart it was a great idea she looked the part she looked great um but she had trouble singing so he tells her um just to kind of breathe it all the way through and he tells kind of this graphic story in here about how every basically be like saying like the whole band was all horny because of the way she was breathing the words to the song or whatever um i don't know you know, listen, listening to it without looking at her, how that would affect. But um, she certainly is a, a very attractive woman. So that could have had something to do with it. Um, they recorded um, it as a single and then they recorded an instrumental called Fancy as the B-side. And obviously they ended up adapting that as the name for the band. Um, they wanted to know how how do we sell the single now that we have it? We got the single recorded. Well, when you have a penthouse pet in the band, um you just put her on the cover of the single. So that's what they did. That's her on the cover of the single, uh, surrounded by <laughs> two men visible and one in the uh, two in the background. There's one kind of in the shadows and then one like way down here. <laughs> oh, kinda, I did know, I just noticed. <laughs> like, yeah, I honestly just noticed him for the first time now. And I've been, uh. I've been looking at this, this, this uh, single cover. Um, yeah. So there's like she's surrounded by four guys and she's topless, but it's from like from the back. And uh, they tell a story and there's a nice little booklet in here where they said the story of like all the guys in the photo shoot wanted to be all of a sudden had a lot of business going on, like behind those guys, you know, oh, we're just going to check what's going on over here, Um, which I guess she wasn't too thrilled about. Um, So they they put this on the album uh, uh, on the single to sell it, uh, which obviously seems like probably a pretty good. Uh, a pretty good marketing move. Uh, they put out the single in April of 1973. It didn't do much in the UK, but in the US, it became a surprise hit. It made it all the way to number seven in the charts. Um, and Mike Hurst says, by this time, and with the success in the USA, Helen had gotten herself a new manager, her boyfriend. That was two strikes against her. She had to go. <laughs> so basically, she couldn't sing, and she decided her boyfriend was going to be her manager. We're going to get rid of her and get somebody else. So they auditioned a bunch of people. Um... 
they weren't crazy about anybody. Then they came across Annie Cavanaugh, who had previously worked with Steely Dan, and she'd been in the Australian stage. She's Australian. She'd been on the Australian stage production Jesus Christ Superstar. Great voice. They decide, okay, now we got fancy. We're going to go ahead and make the full album. And that's kind of the background to how this album came about. Um, They got so on the first track you'll hear, which is Wild Thing, you'll hear their version of Wild Thing with the play uh, Playboy Penthouse Pet singing. And then they'll move on to the rest of the album, which was Annie Cavanaugh, which is kind of an actual trained singer. So that's the lineup. You know, Mo Foster from this show. If you don't check him out. Les Banks on drums uh, goes on to play with Judas Priest and all around great drummer. Um, interestingly, on guitar and vocals is credited Marlon. And um, it's actually a question I had for our interview with Ray Fenwick, but I canceled it at the last minute because I thought better of it. Um, but when I looked it up, it said this was an alias used by Ray Fenwick when he was in Fancy. And I was like, OK, well, that doesn't explain anything. So I reached out to Ray the other day and I was like, Hey, Ray, what was going on with Marlon? What was up with that? So he says, hi, Nate. Good to hear from you. Answer to your question. Marlon came from a leather jacket I had made. It it had a white leather logo script on the back reading Marlon, an homage to Brando. Why? Who knows? <laughs> so he, I guess he loved Marlon Brando. He had a jacket made that said Marlon on the back. He decided to call himself Marlon, but he doesn't really have any. And then he, he decided I'm going to be Marlon on this album after having been professionally been Ray Fenwick for a while but funny interesting story so <laughs> would have been we should have asked him on the interview because I wasn't expecting that um, but at least you got the answer from him directly regardless yeah, That's exactly cool. I figured I figured why uh why why Google I sometimes I forget that like I'm actually in contact with some of these people now yeah. <laughs> and I'm like Googling I'm like Marlon who's at first I was like wait was Ray Fenwick not on the first album was I wrong was it who's Marlon and then, and then when I looked it up I found oh it's an alias but why uh, very interesting um, so he also did um, but he said but because we had this conversation he said it's interesting you bring up Marlon because as Marlon he also did a single with Roger Glover called let's go to the disco with a b-side broken man in 1974 they released it together as roger glover and marlin (laughs) (laughs) um which uh i'm sure jeff bryce is listening to this now he's like rifling through his records he's probably gonna send me a picture of uh the mar the marlin and roger glover single uh, uh, in like two minutes after he hears this Mm. um but I, i wasn't familiar with it i tried to look it up and couldn't find it but ray actually has a box set coming out uh, a 61 song multiple disc box set coming out in April, um, which he let me know about. So I'll be on the lookout for that. It's coming out from Sing Song Records, uh, Sing Song Music, rather. I'm sorry. Um, so when when that comes out, he says those two tracks are going to be on it. So I can't wait to hear them. I actually tried to look for the single, but the record is like, um, it's something crazy. It's like, oh, it's only like six or seven pounds for the record that's not bad but that's like 20 pounds shipping and i'm like i don't know if i want to pay you know 30 pounds almost or 25 pounds or whatever to to, you know it's whatever 30 bucks to get a a 45 with two songs on it but Mm. i think i'll wait for the ray fenwick box set so keep keep your look it's called ray fenwick playing through the changes so there you go. And then, of course, like I said, on lead vocals, we have Anne Cavanaugh, um, who I told you about. She's uh, appeared in Jesus Christ Superstar. She's worked with Steely Dan, Roger Daltrey, Mick Ronson, and Jack Bruce. 
In the 80s, she moved back to Australia and supported acts such as James Brown, Tom Jones, Dionne Warwick, and Patti LaBelle. And in 2000, she started working as a vocal coach. And there you go. And we got a whole cast of characters. I'm backing vocals and drums and uh, some additional uh, horns and stuff. Um, but there you have it. That is the uh, story behind Fancy. And then speaking of Fancy, you've got the album cover, which honestly isn't all that fancy. It's pretty uh, pretty low-key. Um, it's just got the uh, fancy logo, and it's got the wild thing in kind of like a, like a neon light sort of font. Um then it's got Ray Fenwick looking too cool for school with all the patches on his jeans. Um, you got Les Binks kind of snuggling up to Ann Kavanaugh. And Mo Foster off to the side kind of looking like a professor, like a college <laughs> professor or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but great simple album cover gets to the point. Band shot, everyone wearing jeans, even the ripped off jeans skirt that Ann Kavanaugh's wearing. Skirt it looks or shorts? Pretty cool. It, um, it, yeah, they're yeah all, it looks like shorts. Well, it's funny because you got Aunt, Aunt, like Ray Fenwick and Kavanaugh and Les Banks all have like leather jackets and blue jeans, and she's got the le- big leather boots. And Mo Foster's like blazer, pla- flant, plaid shirt, the glasses kind of looks like the professor. Professor of the band. I like it. I like the album cover. It has that neon sign type of thing. I like the the pink on black, and then like the font that wild thing is in the whole thing. It, it almost looks like a, like a diner neon sign. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, where was the, um, did you say where the album was recorded? I did not. I mean, I would imagine London. Cause I was going to say, it looks very city downtown, like, so like big metropolitan city, be it like, you know, somewhere in Europe or New York or something like that. But that's kind of what it makes me think of like a really kind of urban oh, yeah, I guess album. He's kind of you in know. the, um, uh, they're, they're kind of in the, yeah, like outside of a building, but I kind of thought it was more like a, uh, when I first saw it kind of thought it was more like there were like trees in the background, but I guess it's not. Yeah. When I see this, it gives me that impression of it being, um, kind of uh like that that city vibe it was recorded no. at the music center wembley london formerly known as cts hmm. studios cool. um okay. it was formed in 1972 when cts and delane lee studios merged hmm. we've talked about delane lee many times in the early deep purple days and such hmm. yes. very cool um, so yeah, there there you go. The back cover is kind of uh, it's kind of funny. It's you know it's kind of takes the same I, and it's cool because like we've seen many times, it's got that hand drawn font. You know, it's not it's and I guess kind of almost almost all like logos and stuff back then were hand drawn because it wasn't being typeset. It wasn't being done in Photoshop. Um, but it's f- kind of funny on the back. It says Wild Thing, an old song, a new version, a chart record, fancy, a new band, great guys, fantastic chick. Don't listen to this record alone. It takes two to tango. A Mike Hurst production for Solid Gold Organization. <laughs> like kind of, kind of like, hey, you cool cats. We're going to tell you all about this band on the back. I, I love they're just kind of like free, free form kind of way of doing it there's the record record uh label there boom and that's it not not a ton to go over just designed by marianne Llewellyn. um photography by richard dunkley who did the photography for eddie harden's home is where you find it so always some connections there um and the engineer on this album is dave hunt who worked for velvet um for 
Velvet Velvet Fog, Killing Floor, and Noel Redding. So there you go. Not a lot of huge names on it, but Noel Redding from Jimi Hendrix. That I I believe so. The one and only, right? Um, Mike Hurst, as we talked about, he kind of co-wrote almost all the songs with Fenwick, and um, he had worked with a lot of bands, including. Uh, Nirvana, but not that Nirvana, the Nirvana from the 60s. Um, Harden York, Cat Stevens, and he did Ray Fenwick's Queen of the Night single, which we, I know we've talked about before, which is amazing. Look at it. It's not on YouTube, but look it up on Vimeo. It's great. PP uh, P. Arnold and Samantha Fox, another Samantha Fox connection. I can't remember what our last one was, but I just remember we had one. Um, it was, uh, wasn't it one of the guys in the Ian Gillen band? It might have been. I think. Ian Gillen Band or Gillen? Or, yeah, one of a Gillen connection. Played might guitar have with her later, I think. Samantha. Um, yes, yeah, that was at the guitarist. Yeah, was it Steve Bird? It might have been. Um, which means, guys, that if, you, if you're kind of thinking, why are they covering Fancy? We might cover Samantha Fox one day. It could happen. <laughs> There's a connection. <laughs> no matter how tenuous, we'll, we'll make that connection. Um, Okay, so that's kind of the the whole background of the album. There's not obviously not a ton of information out there about this album. This is you know a very this complete recordings is is a great um, collector's item if you're interested in this era and this kind of music. Um, it, it, I love that Cherry Red is doing stuff like this and putting out stuff like that. They did all the trapeze re-releases and they're just putting out great stuff like this all the time. The packaging on on these things is amazing. The liner notes are incredible. Um, it's great that they're putting it out there because these are like niche things. These aren't things you're going to find or wouldn't find in, you know, like, uh, you, you know, if you went to Target or something to the CD section, mm-hmm. these are like really niche. But it's great for like collectors who love this stuff to be able to get your hands on. Like for me, for the first time, actually owning these on on um, on CD. So it's awesome. Um, all right. So with that said, we, we we did a lot of background behind the actual wild thing. Uh, song, and that's what this album begins with, is Wild Thing. Ready to check it out? Yeah, let's do it. Do it, Wild Thing. Kind of that, like, Gary Glitter drum sound. Oh, the pulsating thing is uh, kind of interesting. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're almost like singing over her. Well, yeah, I mean, if she sucks. (laughs) I think she works really well in the context of what they're going for here. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think I love you. It sounds like almost like what you hear from like Barry White, that like really close reverb into the into the microphone, you know? Interesting. But in this case with a woman instead of uh, Barry White. Wow, 
kind of kind of cool. This is Alan Hawkshaw on the keyboards. Some pretty good stuff. I'm digging it. Yeah, I like this little breakdown. She's I mean, mostly just speaking, not necessarily singing. But. I mean, I don't think she's bad. I just don't think she's, like, remarkable in any way. That's all. Right. You know, like they said, like, oh, she wasn't good. It's like, I mean, she's just not great. But, I mean, well, she's doing. I mean, I think, like like they said, they, they, they figured out the way to make it work was to have her, like, breathe the vocals. And they were going for, like, a sexy sound. And... I think they're achieving that by having her moaning and groaning <laughs> throughout the whole song. But um, I think the 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 obvious flaw that would present itself after this, uh, which obviously they came to the same conclusion is, OK, we recorded the song. I got my sexy version of Wild Thing that I'm that I really wanted to get. Sounds great. It was a big, big hit in the in this in the States or whatever. Um, Problem. What do we do now? Like we we can't make entire albums worth of songs with her just moaning and groaning and 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 breathing all the words, right? It's mm-hmm. a cool effect for that one song, but like, can you imagine two or three songs in of just, uh, you know, just having these? <laughs> maybe a little sexier than what I just did. <laughs> you sounded like you were just. <laughs> you sounded like you were going to be ill. <laughs> like. <laughs> Boy, Nate, if that's you being if that's you being sexy, then uh, you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> Ooh, wild thing. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think in the context of this song, it worked great. You know, like I think I think it was uh, honestly pretty genius on the <clears throat> on their part to as producers and writers to say, okay, it's of course it was funny that they ended up with this woman anyway like like why do we have this woman who can't sing in our band and they said well let's do make the best with what we have and and found a way to have her add to the song in a way that made it work it's actually pretty ingenious so um what would you rank wild thing what are we are we gonna what are we gonna use for rankings on this one um I don't know. Um, how about um, I'm going to give this one. Um, I'm going to say like three, three jorts. <laughs> jorts. <laughs> yeah, they did look more like jorts that she was wearing than 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 a skirt. In so. honor of her jean shorts. Yeah. Yeah. In honor of her jean shorts. Three, three jorts, um, which, as we know, um, is the kind of baseline rating for something that you know most of us think. Most of the time we think is good or average. I think it was okay. I definitely think it was uh, a early to mid seventies sounding mm-hmm. version of a song. I think that 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 kind of pulsating noise going over the whole song was actually a little kind of distracting and didn't really do it for me. Um, but I kind of liked how tight the band sounded. I liked mm-hmm. the guitar sound. The vocals sounded a little like the performance wasn't, bad like i said it just sounded kind of average but i guess it sounded kind of like thin 
maybe yeah. produced, but I like the background vocals. I thought the background vocals were cool. And I thought that that, that middle section that probably made Glenn Hughes sit up somewhere in the <laughs> earth and note. like his ears perk up. Is there some funk happening somewhere? Definitely cool. <laughs> I, I sense some funk happening. That was really cool. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a great spin on the song, but I feel like at this point, you know, uh, the song is so played out mm-hmm. that, um, but I mean, this version is, was really one of the most different versions I heard, but it was, it, to me, it was just okay. I don't see how it was, uh, a big hit. Uh, maybe it was because of the, 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 um, uh, the single, the, the sleeve or whatever, uh, enticed people. I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt. It, it would get people's good. attention for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was good. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I would g- I'll give it a 3.5. Um, where this loses points for me is that I've just never really cared for this song all that much at all. Like the, just in general, any version of it, any that anyone's ever done, it's never been a song that I've cared for. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I give them points for making the best of the situation that they had having like a goal and somehow kind of like, I think the story behind is actually really interesting how they kind of, again, how do you end up with a penthouse pet as your singer? And like, that's kind of on you that you've ended up with a singer that can't sing. Like you've recruited her and she can't sing. It's not her fault. Um, uh, but they, they seemed to really do the best that they could with that. I thought the breakdown was awesome. That was definitely, if that was like the whole, if that was uh, emblematic of the entire song, I would have loved the song. But the only reason I liked it is because it kind of gave you a break from the whole wild thing thing, which I'm, that's just on me. I don't, I'm not a crazy fan of that song. So that's where I stand with it. Yeah. That breakdown was a highlight. Yeah. If there was, if there was no breakdown, it would have been a three. And if, if uh, anything other than that, I don't even know if the original, I've, if I would give a three, because I'm just, like I said, mm-hmm. never really cared for that song. But mm-hmm. I know I am in the minority because <laughs> apparently everyone in the world has done a version of the song. So I've heard it a million times, a million mm-hmm. different ways. And maybe that's part of it. I'm just like, oh, wild thing. I get it. But, you know, in 1973, I mean, it was probably one of the first, you know, yeah. it, the song was only it hadn't even been around for, you know, eight or nine years. So. I think it was probably one of the first songs that I learned to play on guitar because it's so easy. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. All right. The next so, track on the album is a song uh, title that you're familiar with, but not this song itself. Um, it, this is not the kiss song, but this is the fancy song love for sale. Or I guess is that got love for sale. Got love for sale. Got love for sale. Ah, close enough. Close. Here we go. Love for sale. So now we're now we're gonna have Anne Cav- Kavanaugh singing. And this is original, written by Hurst and Fenwick. Wow, that's funny. I I can tell by her voice that she was on Butterfly Ball. Uh, she wasn't though. Like a very distinct, very distinct. But she is not. She's not from the Butterfly Ball though, Anne Kavanaugh. Oh, wasn't? No. Oh, sounds like she could be. Edit though. that out. <laughs> yeah, no. Edit that out. Edit out my stupidity. 
No, but she actually, she sounds like she could have been one of the backup singers from Butterfly Ball. Oh, totally. She sounds like Lizzie B. Yeah, that's, that's who I thought it was. Listen to Mo Foster, man. Oh, this is exactly I was just what you, say, we got some, you like, get when you get Mo, Mo Foster. Foster in here. Got that right in that cowboy belt for the whole song. And she's got a really, uh, she's got some really good power in her voice. I really love uh, Marlon's uh, crunchy guitar sound. <laughs> Marlon. <in this>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So this this right here sounds like an Ian Gillen band breakdown. I was just going to say that. And that's why I love it. Well, considering that Marlon wrote most of that stuff. <laughs> You're just not going to give up with Marlon. I love it. Nope. Oh. That's why, like, when... When Fenwick has that like two minute solo on Clear Turbulence as like uninterrupted two minutes, it's just like it could be ten minutes and I'd be happy. Well now after hearing him on a few different recordings, I can definitely pick out his style now. Yeah. Which is very distinct and I like making those connections. Like when you said this sounds like an Ian Gillen band breakdown, like you can, you know, now I'm starting to kind of flesh out like his style, which I think is really cool. Yeah, like this section of the song, I couldn't see, but that 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 breakdown, I could see him bringing that to Ian Gillen band and them just going along with it. And Colin oh, yeah. Towns putting in a little, a little one of his little funny, silly synth patches on there and sounding awesome. I think it's a good chorus too. It's really catchy. It's like a sing-along chorus. That's a great hook. Ooh, Bo Foster breaking a little double stop there. It almost sounded a little bit like. Uh, uh, who am I picking up? Who does she sound like? A little like uh, Ann Wilson, a little. Which is high praise. I say that it's a really cool move, too, them trying to. Um, incorporate a female vocalist in a rock type of album like this because mm -hmm. I mean I guess back then you saw a lot of bands doing that <clears throat> maybe more than you would today um, or maybe not even today but like uh, the maybe in the 
say 20 years from then, you would just seem like um, predominantly male fronted bands. But, um, and I don't know if they, they got another female vocalist because that was their first kind of hook was trying to get, <clears throat> you know, a, um, like a, like a sexy female vocalist up front. The, the other one didn't work. So then they went for another one or if they just wanted that for the band. But I mean, I think that that makes, it kind of makes it more interesting than if you just had like a, a guy, another just male vocalist or guy vocalist in here singing this stuff. Like it's, it's cool hearing like a, a powerful uh, woman rock singer. Yeah. Yeah. She does a great job. I enjoy it. So what do you give love yeah. for sale? I give love for sale uh, four jorts. Ah, excellent. Four jorts. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. Yeah, I really like. I said I love the. Um, I love the guitar tone in the beginning, like just this really crunchy tone and this really kind of. Um, I don't know whatever you call it that that phasing. You know that. Yeah, effect that it was like at the a, end of the. Yeah, I think it must have been like a phaser. Or yeah, something. like a. Yeah, flange phase, something like that. And um I really liked the 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 hook of the chorus. Mm-hmm. And of course, like the Moe's bass being just right <laughs> up front uh did not disappoint. Um nope. it just I mean when 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 we're listening, like if you listen to this and you weren't a fan, you'd just be like, Oh, okay, but we're trying to pick out all of these great musicians that we already know their work and we're enjoying it for that too. Like when you hear like that bass. You know, you're not thinking like, oh, okay, it's a little like, yeah, Moe's really rocking it. So it's like, that makes it more enjoyable. And that breakdown, like, oh, it sounds like it could be a Gillen band song or something. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I think anybody that's like uh, a fan of 70s rock and sort of rock funk sort of stuff would really enjoy this. And I, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people really been exposed to this band because it's kind of flown under the radar, but I will also give the song a four. I really, really like it. Love, uh, Ray Fenwick solo, love Moe's playing love. I love what, what, um, Les Binks is doing. Um, and I think the vocals are really strong. So, and you know, I wonder how many people picking this up even, uh, made the connection that it was a different singer. You know, because because what like like I said earlier, what Helen Kant was doing in that first song is is so kind of out there that you could easily say, oh yes, now she's now she's singing, she's not going for that breathing sort of thing. Um, but sure, really really nice job. Yeah, if you didn't know, if you didn't know any better, but it was pretty seamless. Yeah. Well, it's time to move on with our next song. Move on. So you might have noticed that this is not Anne Kavanaugh. Really? (laughs) (laughs) So who's this? I think this is Mike Hurst. doesn't sound like Ray Fenwick to me, but so I'm assuming it's Mike, uh, Mike Hurst. And 
and this horn arrangement is incredible. I think so far what they got going for them is, is that the the choruses are really catchy, even if they're just short, you know? Yep. I like how this is a little blues flavored without being too lazy blues. Yes. Yep. I like the, the the depth that the horns add to it, the horn section. Yeah, I think without the horn, without the horns, this song would be kind of just plodding. But they, the horns just really keep it busy and interesting. And this little guitar hook here is great. playing is a little understated on this one. Hey, it's like I'll hang back. He's letting the horns do their thing. I'll hang back for this one song. <laughs> there you go. That was Move On. All right. Nice. Another um you were ju you were just mentioning a Kiss song and that's a um that's a Paul Stanley solo album song title. Move on is? Are there any other Kiss uh title these yeah. so these song uh, any of these sound like except for I'm a woman <laughs> they all kind of sound like they could be <laughs> Kiss Kiss songs except yeah. and well, and uh US Well actually the Yeah, US surprise. Between um, between the well, devil and me actually sounds like the a, um Well, actually, the the devil is me was a song off uh, like I think it was the last Kiss album from like ten years ago or whatever it was. Um, touch me, Paul Stanley on that same so seventy eight solo that had hold me, touch me. There you go. You got got love for sale. That's yeah, there's kind of a lot of uh, maybe fancy inspired more uh, Kiss song titles than we know. Hmm. No. Uh, well we'll talk about we'll talk about that a little later because um well i guess we could talk about it now fancy did um they uh perform they performed with kiss in 1974 um i don't know as, well, as an opening sense. supporting I mean, act or whatever and i don't i tried to look for information as to like where or when it would have been um i found some like You'd mm -hmm. probably have better resources than I would, but I found some of the Kiss sites that listed their tour dates and everything, but they didn't really necessarily say who the supporting acts were. But um, so they would have played very mm -hmm. early on with with Kiss. So I mean, Kiss, Paul well, Stanley's like looking at their have, set list uh, and just writing down all the songs. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> got some great song titles here. <laughs> that one looks good. All right. <laughs> oh, you down in the front. I got some but, great um, song that... titles. <laughs> All right. Well, I think um, they must have uh, they must have toured the um, like over in the in the the U.S. or um, or Canada because early on that's where Kiss was touring. They didn't. I don't. Uh, unless I'm no, I don't think that I'm wrong. I don't think that they went over <clears> to <throat> Europe until like a couple of years later when they got bigger. But right. seventy four, yeah, they mostly were on this side. Yeah, and by the time they but they yeah, were they doing were playing that, with like fancy would have been dissolved. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean they were playing like uh, at that time with every, any everybody and anybody like on just any bills yep. that they could get booked on. And I mean even back then, I mean you would see some of the craziest combos of bands that you'd never see today <laughs> and when you when you um, when you have bands that are which, on, at that kind of lower like fancy was at at the time they were playing with kiss they were probably at the same level right um you before kiss like achieved yeah. superstardom and yeah at that level yeah they'll pair any two bands up they'll just be like what is this a uh a five a five man acoustic uh, banjo and accordion band and we'll put them with like you know i don't know budgie or something who knows but um but then, yeah, they start to kind of make things make a little more sense, I guess, when you're when you're a bigger act. But anyway, move on. What would you right. uh, would you rank? Move on. Um, so move on. Um, so I'll I'll give that three point five jorts. Um, definitely some good parts in there, but uh, I feel like a little, maybe a little bit of a filler track you know not, i wasn't as keen on it as the the um love for sale mm-hmm. that one i enjoyed a little bit more maybe a little bit more of a hook or whatever but um still still pretty good enjoyable i will also give it a 3.5 i think um it reminds me of like some of what uh ray fenwick would have been doing in um like spencer davis group and stuff like it it, it has that kind of like bebopping feeling to it that i really like Really good song. Like I said, I, the G, it seems to me like I don't know much about Mike Hurst, um, but he sounds like he was probably a really smart producer because it sounds it seems like. With Wild Thing and Move On so far, it seems like those songs could have easily fallen apart or been like um poorly done if if in less capable hands and the adding that horn section of the song was genius because without the horn section it would have been probably a very generic sounding song and with the with the horn section it it really lightened it up and, and made it really exciting and ha- having that that vocal with the horn the, the kind of counterpart horn horns doing their own thing um yeah i thought it was great mm-hmm. um the next song up on side one of this album is I Don't Need Your Love. Breaking out the acoustic guitar. Working all day, working all night, hoping to God everything is all right. Last time I saw him, I got the news, moaning and groaning, singing the blues. Listen, baby, I got news for you. Being alone is a thing I don't need. I used to follow wherever he leads. Friends of mine said he'd been getting around. And then from my window I heard this old sound. He said, 
I kind of get that that vibe of like Shining Star. Oh yeah. I was kind of thinking it sounded like it could be a Tommy Bolin solo cut to swap out the vocals with his. Sounds like something he could do. Yeah. so much character behind it when you've got that looseness and improv on the drums and then the the, the bass doing what it's doing and the guitar backwards guitar solo here mm-hmm. always fun to do a backwards guitar solo Foster just eats these songs up. He just like just give me the give me the chord chart. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will do my thing, and it's great because it's it, 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 anyone. It, it could be it could be considered overdone almost, except it's just it's it's so tastefully done the way that he throws those things in there. It just makes it so interesting, and so many of these songs I think would be so much worse off if he was just trying to really sit back he's he's not being like super showy but he, he's just keeping the song super interesting and same thing with what Ray Fenwick's doing on the guitar I like when the solo section he was going boom 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 that's fantastic <laughs> it's like yeah do it Mo <laughs> do it Mo <laughs> great stuff yeah, but that that's to your point though really simple yep like, I mean, I could probably play that, but I mean, it's, it stands out. So, well, they, they were, ta- they were talking about, um, I think it's, I think it's in the booklet here in this box set about how these guys were Mo Foster, Ray Fenwick, Les Banks to a lesser extent. Cause he was still kind of new and any cap, they were all session people. So they were just used to just walking into the studio, banging out, doing sessions and doing an amazing job. And when they started to do live shows, they were like, Oh, like <laughs> kind of like freaked out because they didn't play, I guess that much. I mean, of course they had all played live, but maybe they hadn't played to such big crowds or whatever it was, but they were a little more comfortable in the studio. But yeah, you can tell by how this is put together that they're great studio musicians. So. 
I Don't Need Your Love by Hurst and Fenwick. What do you say about that one? I'm going to give this one uh, a three. Um, um, I mean, I, I thought that there were some good bits to it, but overall it was just um, kind of like the previous track, a little less, just um, kind of a little slower, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little fillerish for my taste. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll kind of see that one and give it a, give it a three as well. Um, solid track. I really like her vocal performance at the end, especially when she really starts letting loose. But this is a great, a really good, like forgotten seventies album that, that, uh, just something great to just pop on in the background and just get that, that vibe and all those cool little things that they're doing musically. Um, you know, it's, if you want to experience the seventies, but not maybe go with, something you're used to or something you listen to all the time. Um, fancy is uh fits, right, fits yeah. the bill very well. But, um, okay. Um, the final song on the first side of this album is called one night. It's written by Dave Bartholomew and Pearl King. It was released um, in 1956 recorded by Smiley Lewis and Dave Bartholomew um, had written a ton of songs for fats domino. Um, so they picked this one, I guess, as a as a cover. Uh, would have been about twenty years old or so at this point. And here we go with one night. One night with you. That's all I'm praying for. Would make my dreams come true This reminds me of something you'd hear on like a Cher Kazoo, like something Igiela would have done. Like I could I could have seen him. Yeah. yeah, he he had like those kind of like a couple of those bluesy numbers he did, that Elvis song, and a couple other things he did that I could have seen. Um, but this song really, when I first heard it, I, I didn't know the original. I still don't. I haven't heard it. Um, no, I don't know the original either. But when I first heard this, I said, "Oh, this must have been inspired by the Beatles." Oh, Dar- they have a song, "Oh, Darling," from Abbey Road. I said they must have gotten inspiration from this. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, the song's from the 50s. So obviously the Beatles must have <laughs> stolen it from that because it's very, it hits a lot of the same marks. Or maybe if I heard the original, I'd say, okay, they took a little of the Beatles flair and put it onto this old song. But I think it's more likely that the Beatles kind of um, lifted this idea or this feeling from this song. Mm-hmm. But it's a you know it's a pretty standard blues progression. It's not nothing crazy. Oh, 
ending so doing a little research it sounds it seems like elvis did this song i'm assuming it's the same song and it oh. does it does look like that was a uh inspiration of the beatles song which i never knew until until uh listening to this album and looking this up just the other day so there you have it that would be explain the connection all right one night what do you think about the song one night I'll give it, I'll give it one plus three. <laughs> I mean, one times three. So okay, I was gonna. Say. I was trying to work one. I was trying to work one in there, and I couldn't do it. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, three. The math, the, these three. single digit math problems became too much for you. Oh God, <laughs> don't the uh, math will not be my middle my middle name in the future episodes. John Mathmatola. Um, <laughs> Mathematola. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but anyways, um, yeah, um, just I think the these middle tracks are kind of s- just sunk to the level for me, or just you know down to just being average because I'm not really finding any hooks in mm-hmm. here that I can grab onto. Um, that being said, the production and the performances and and all that is, is mm-hmm. still really good um i think it's just the songs at this point uh are just not grabbing me because i like a good hook i like stuff that's more fast paced um i was maybe hoping for something funkier based on what we'd heard previously mm-hmm. from these guys so um you know it's not um not bad but it's not grabbing me not yet all right i will give this one a 3.5 i really dig that um the Beatles connection. That's one of my, probably my favorite Beatles songs. Um, and I really mm-hmm. like kind of hearing the inspiration from where it comes from, even though this is a cover. Um, yeah, I really like, I, I, to me, I see, I see like in their performances, like some of the material, I mean, I, I don't know necessarily know that, you know, I'm not usually a huge fan of covers, on an album this this album's got three covers on it that's the second one uh so i'm not usually a big fan of that but i feel like with the material they've got and and how they're what their performances are they're really doing a lot with it and and their performances are really shining and i thought that was a great performance by all of them i loved bringing the horns back mm-hmm. in too it was great I, I really think that um while I don't have a ton on Mike Hurst, like his production, uh, he went on to do some production. Um, he well, I did a lot of production, but um, I feel like he must have been a really strong producer based based on what I'm hearing. Because I, I feel like this could have with, with with this material could have easily gone a different way. Um, uh, not that the material is not strong, but I, I feel like th- these songs could have been recorded in ways that wouldn't have highlighted um, how good the musicianship is or 
kept your interest as well. But they were quick. A lot of these songs are quick, three minute songs in, get to the point, give you a hook and and get out. So um, I think they're doing a really good job of that so far. Mm-hmm. All right. Next track. We're flipping the album over to side B. And the first track on side B is a uh, song called Touch Me. Stormy night in the city. Rain, police sirens. Not really a situation where you want to be touched. See where this is going. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> so this was a hit in the U.S. too. sounds like they're going for the same very much the same thing that they were on Wild Thing yeah you know it's somewhere Glenn Hughes' antenna's going up (laughs) you get no complaints from me about a song like this. Yeah, this definitely has that that kind of like hook and simple guitar riff that I like. Ooh, come closer, baby. Shivers down my backbone cause my man is back. I like how they kind of put that. I don't know, it sounds kind of like a backwards metronome type of thing, like kind of under the drums. Yeah, it almost sounds like a heartbeat. Yeah, that started off the song. I think that's a really cool way to kind of, I don't know, pad out the song, kind of like when they use like uh, pedal tones and stuff in the 80s to like thicken up Mm -hmm. songs. Kind of like how they did that, uh, kind of like with that little bit of a less distracting thing than the heartbeat thing in the first song Like I was saying, it almost sounds like they wanted to, now that they had a stronger singer, they wanted to do the same thing, get the same feel that they got with Wild Thing, throw their own, you know, get their own writing credits on it, throw somebody with a really strong uh, vocals onto it. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and uh, that it was released as a single, and it made it into the top twenty in the U.S. So the U.S. was ready for some more wow. fancy after Wild Thing. But very, it's funny because it begins the. It, it sounds so similar to the Wild Thing when it first starts. I actually thought I had accidentally played Wild Thing, started Wild Thing again, but then it kind of obviously goes yeah. in a slightly different direction. So there you go. Touch me. What do you think? Four. Oh wow. Four jorts. Four We're jorts. We're back to jorts. That's a total of eight yeah. jort legs. For think... <laughs> those of you keeping track at home, too many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I give it I give it a four. Um yeah, I kind of I like the unique type of thing that they're doing here. Like I said, they have that kind of like that percussive backwards undertone. I'm not sure what it is. Mm-hmm. Um it sounds like it, yeah, they they kind of took like a backward like um like a kick drum or something. Um, yeah, yeah, like a like the backward kick drum or something, and just had it kind of going underneath everything, which just adds like another layer to the song. It's not as not as distracting as that other thing that I said the beginning of the first song, that kind mm-hmm. of like swirling, you know, noise or whatever. But I'm I'm always a big fan of like really just kind of simple, crunchy guitar riffs like this. We're back to the catchy choruses, um, so. Yeah, I like it. And even though it's a little slower paced in tempo, it's like it's still it's still got a groove to it that I really like. Nice. So there you go. All right, I will give this one a 3.5. I also liked it for all the reasons you said. I thought it was very reminiscent of the first. I like, well, it's weird. I'm giving it the same. I'm giving it the same rating I guess it gave Wild Thing, even though I feel like I like this one better because it's not Wild Thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah I, I think it's a really good good start to the second i guess the only thing i would say negative about it would be it's too similar in tone to the beginning of the wild thing song but it's it's really mm-hmm. it's really great it, it also just kind of makes me think like okay, if you did this wild thing song why even leave that one on the album why not just start the album with this song forget the wild thing yeah. you know what i mean and then go with it from there but um yeah exactly they they might have needed an extra track for the because it kind of seems like you're doing the same thing twice it's like we talk a lot in like when we're talking about other albums or deep purple albums where it's like oh this is the same kind of song as this one it's like richie's famous for it rainbow okay we want to one up this song it's like it's like mistreated but to the next level or it's like catch the rainbow but the next level he's always they're always kind of trying to do the same thing but perfect it and make it better but there's never two of those on the same album and that's why i feel like is here it's like let's do what we did with wild thing but make it better better singer better arrangement better song overall and so i'm kind of going against my own rules and docking it half a point for sort of having already been done but on its own it probably should be a four because i think it's it would be a great Mm. album opener but there you go all right next track u.s surprise maybe that's about their surprise hit in the u.s i don't know but here we go u.s surprise listen to that fuzzy bass I'm falling to bed I know But I look in your eyes It's a 
You know, I, I really feel like this sounds like some early uh, trapeze. Yeah. I can like, hear that. Like something off Medusa. Like, I could picture Glenn singing this. Yeah, it's got that, like, power trio sound to it, because essentially is. Yeah, like, uh, kind of, kind of Black Cloud. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you got the horn section horn just back come in, in from out of nowhere. It's great. Notice that um, Marlon isn't taking a lot of guitar solos here either. No, he's really keeping it understated. Yeah, very, very restrained. Which is not necessarily a good thing because I love his and we solos. We want more. <laughs> yeah, we want more. More Marlon. <laughs> but he's just a professional he plays for the song and he's great but I love when he lets loose like the beginning of Wind of the Willows or any of the stuff on Ian Gillen band just him just saying like I'm gonna how many bars do I have awesome I'm gonna fill them with I'm gonna solo until you tell me to stop because yeah. he's such, such a great style <laughs> it's it's not sh overly showy It's he's not shredding he's just playing really interesting stuff and I think that's what always grabbed me about that like clear turbulence is just that really showcased how incredible a player he was without having to resort to any trickery or crazy mm -hmm. uh, shredding or anything he's just uh, such a great player all right well that is yeah US I mean that's, that's really the, the good thing about these these albums and these songs is that there's there's something to be said for musicians like this that you know can rip and do all this cool stuff being like oh yeah it's great that they're restrained and they're playing for the song but then there's also that part of you that's like come on man just like <laughs> let it rip on a few of them come on marlon show us what right? you got <laughs> something tells me on side two or that's not the last we're going to hear of marlon i think we're going to He's going to have to let loose on another song. I'm glad I got you on board with the whole Marlon thing. <laughs> He's Marlon from now on. I wonder. Well, he is on this the album. The thing I didn't ask, I got I to gotta respond and say, you got to tell me if you still have the jacket. <laughs> and if so, remember like a while back when it's tweeted something and then about um, 
Coverdale the California Jam, and then he tweeted back a picture of himself holding the shirt that he was wearing at the California Jam. Yeah, I want that same picture of That's Marlon cool. holding up the Marlon jacket. <laughs> I want to see it. I mean, I'm a big fan of like musicians doing that kind of thing, having like a like an alias or whatever, because it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, since we were talking about uh, Kiss before, you know, uh, heard of Wendy or Williams? Yeah, yeah, from the Plasmatics, yep. and. She did her, I think it was her first solo album uh, was produced by Gene Simmons. And basically, like most of Kiss at the time was like her backup band, which oh, right, yep. like I didn't know. And it was like, wow. So basically the Creatures of the Night version of Kiss was like mainly her backup band. Even Ace Frehley was like on her album, which I was like, I can't believe this is like hearing a Lost Kiss album with Wendy O. Williams yeah, on yeah. vocals. But she was like wild. And but Gene didn't credit himself as himself as the bass player on the album. Cause I think he played almost all the bass on the album, but his surname on it was Reginald Van Helsing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that name. It must've probably been on like pot of thunder or something, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is like so funny because it's like, obviously, you know, uh, from his love of horror movies and everything, the most fake name you've ever heard. So I'm, I'm a fan of, known musicians or musicians that are like have a career of doing one thing and then they like play under a pseudonym or something and it's like obviously fake you know i think it's it's fun who was the um uh um vanessa parody remember that album yeah yeah it was oh lenny kravitz, lenny kravitz produced it and he did like i think um I think he wrote all the songs and that. it was him and yeah. um, Craig Ross was playing guitar on it and he produced it. And I got, I, I remember hearing, I, I forget, I have no idea how I heard about the album or anything, but I was like, I've got to get this it came out like 92 or something. And we were huge into Lenny mm -hmm. Kravitz at the time. Let love rule and mama said and all that. And I think it was even before they did, uh, before he did, uh, are you going to go my way? And I heard of this album and it was just basically like, I so I got it and I'm like, holy crap, this is like getting a bonus Lenny Kravitz album. Just like you said, mm -hmm. it was Kravitz from start to finish with um, just a, a different with this woman singing who's great. And um, of course, I listened to some of her stuff after that album. and I was like, yeah, I'm not into this at all. I just <laughs> that that Lenny, it's it's a Lenny Kravitz album with someone else on vocals and it's awesome yeah. and yeah it's cool when people will actually go out there and do stuff like that um that was a, that was a fantastic now I, I haven't listened to that album in years i gotta check that out again mm -hmm. uh, i remember you were way into it yeah i mean i, I played the hell out of that album because at that time i was when i told my stories of you know when i was uh, cleaning the church, listening to Clearer Turbulence. Well, I was also listening to Let Love <laughs> Rule and Mama Said quite a bit. And um, so, so you know, when you hear that, oh, there's like a new version of of that era that you just completely missed somehow, you get really excited. And that's exactly how I felt. And I, I was so happy to get my hands on a copy of that album at the time. Um, you know, it's 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 just like anything else, or like when I talk, like when I found out there was like a Japanese cast version of Jesus Christ Superstar, I was like, awesome, <laughs> let's check it out. I want I, I new when you love something so much, like you wish you could discover it again or buy it again or something. It's that kind of same feeling, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I felt about that. Yeah. So, um, did I rank this one yet? Three point five. 
U.S. Oh. Surprise. Okay. U.S. Surprise gets a 3.5. 3.5 jorts. That's seven <laughs> jort legs. Four, 14 nice. total from the, to- from the two of us. Um, moving on, we have Between the Devil and Me. So this song kind of has like a like a Bo Diddley sort of yeah the the I want candy yeah, there you go vibe sounds like a dr john song the way that's like be bopping around like that and that is not a bad thing Sounds like they're. It doesn't sound like hand claps. It sounds like they're all like a in like a stairwell hitting their shoes together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like overly affected guitars. definitely fun this whole album has a got a great all the songs just have a great groove to them Not what yeah, I, it was definitely fun. Not what you'd expect from a Between the Devil and Me. Sounds like it could be more of like a like a heavy song or a kind of like raunchy song. It's a, it's a fun song. Mm-hmm. Between the Devil and Me. How many jorts are you giving this one? I'm going to give it three. Um, I wish that it went 
to a different place mm-hmm. a little bit. Like I was almost expecting like the and I I'm sorry, I don't know the 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 drum term, but like uh whatever or the musical term for what the drums were doing during the whole song, but it was kind of like um what what kind of beat would you call that? Like a shuffle or something? Yeah, so it was like I thought like, you know, it would go from a shuffle beat. I, I was thinking that, but I didn't want to be wrong. But to like breaking into like maybe like a straight beat in in the verses or something to kind of break it up a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or or leading into the chorus or something. And it's just it kind of just went like stayed in that shuffle the whole time. It's almost felt like the song was kind of in limbo the whole time. Yeah. Um, Like, yeah, if if it had stopped at one point and then gone into like a more of a straightforward beat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have heard that. I thought that would have made it a little more interesting, but I, I thought that it was kind of a fun, um, you know, if if not derivative kind of song, mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, how many, I mean, at that time, I don't know how much of that, you know, songs were out. It's the Bo Diddley beat, you know, it's it's been done a million times. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's kind of like, what was the blues song that they did? Um Move. Uh, I don't need your love. Or, I think so. Or move on. Move on. Maybe I forget already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's yeah. It, I think it. I think once again they did it really good. I also give it a three. I think they did a really good job in that. Um, of doing that genre where it could easily be very played out, but they do a really solid job of representing it and and presenting a. It's just a fun kind of easygoing album. It's the I think the complaints I'd have about this song is like you said, it doesn't go to like a different place or have any sort of breakdown. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like Marlon's guitar, like it would be great if we heard like uh, if it was a little bit more easier to hear. It was very affected and very kind of off time. It would have been good mm-hmm. to hear something a little more straightforward or or hear a, a different like kind of like funky breakdown or something. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Um, the next song up is a Lieber Stoller number, a classic, a rock and roll classic. And that song is I'm a Woman. You've got a classic... Uh, A rock and roll classic from the 50s, right? Oh, 1962, I'm sorry. Sounds like Candy Gibbons on this track. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing a little bit. Like, it sounded like a Zephyr track. Yeah, the whole track actually, right, sounds Zephyrish, the way they're doing it. But also because it's kind of like your kind of a basic uh, blues uh, arrangement here. It sounds a lot like I want. I just want to make love to you by Foghat. Oh, yep. Is that a Mo Foster bass solo? I believe so. unexpected you get that piano rocking out in the background that's kind of a weird little dissonant thing that yeah. they do right there other notable versions of this include a duet by Raquel Welch and Miss Piggy <laughs> I got it. I thought I'd seen all the episodes of The Muppet Show, but I think I missed that one. Apparently, when Raquel Welch does it, she says W O, and then Miss Piggy says P I G. Have to look that up. Of course, she does. A lot of stuff to research after this episode. <laughs> One thing I didn't like about the Muppet Show is is that everybody just let Miss Piggy be a bitch and they never called her on her shit. <laughs> yeah, she was a little insufferable. She got away with murder on that show. Tell me about it. <laughs> you ever see like the maybe a few years ago they had a resurgence of the Muppet Show and it was a little more like adult? Yeah, I, I didn't I see it, but it I remember it. Good. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it took the episodes like a couple or a few episodes to get going. And then like season was actually pretty good, but it was like, it was definitely more adult oriented. It was for the people that grew up on the Muppet show, not necessarily for kids. Right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, like full on, like it was uh, raunchy, <laughs> raunchy with it. But I mean, raunchier than you would have seen back when we were kids. And it was still like, like Jesus, they just a like Miss Piggy became even worse. She was almost like she was like, you know, the the abuser. She's kind of like a poor, psychopath, even in the original. <laughs> I mean, poor Kermit. I mean, he's just like, you know, he, it's like uh, that that reverse spousal abuse. It's like one of those where the woman is like the he's like, <laughs> is abusing like, the Kermit. The guy. Kermit, blink if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> poor bastard. We'll send somebody. <laughs> we'll make you safe, Kermit. <laughs> bring him to a, a safe house a safe lily pad <laughs> safe lily pad <laughs> alright uh, I'm a woman what do you think oh Nady. um <laughs> I don't know I was gonna make some kind of joke but now I'm like rethinking it so never mind <laughs> um three three um yeah, it was it was good. Um a little um a little repetitive. It was a um you said it was a cover, right? Yeah, it's 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 a Lieber Stoller song and it's yeah, uh, you so, know, which is you know, all, I think those those a lot of those songs have a very similar vibe to them. Yeah, I was gonna say I think some of the covers on this are a little um 
basic for my taste because it's they're following that formula that at this point we've all heard so mm-hmm. much that it's it's not like anything new although I like the way they're doing it and for instance I like when they they stop they you know stop after the choruses there's that little uh like I mentioned before dissonant part it sounded like a, a guitar yeah, yeah, like is that a guitar? It sounds like, like a guitar ring doing or? a double stop on the on the bass. Like, yeah, like well, something dis- like that. Inten- something intentionally discordant. Yeah, and I mean whether it's part of the original or whether it's something they added, I mean I definitely think they're putting their own spin on things, um, which is cool. But um, yeah, that's that's about it. Um, I will give this a 3.5 just cause I, I do like the groove of it quite a bit. Um, and again, I'm kind of wishing that I could see them going like in love for sale where they really go for it with that, the, the kind of funky breakdown and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm craving some more of that, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just never usually a huge fan of samples, but I think they do. A, I'm not samples, but, um, covers, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but, uh, <laughs> but I think, um, I think I think the way that they handled the covers on this album was really good, um, mm-hmm. but I don't. I, I would always, almost always, rather hear more original material or a shorter mm-hmm. album. And not that this album's long in any way, but um, okay. Next is the last track on this album. Now you may never have heard this song before, but I guarantee you, if you're listening, you've heard parts of this song a bunch of times. This song actually has been sampled hundreds of times. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to um, whosampled.com. If you've ever checked that out, it's like a cool website. So if you like you hear something in like a hip hop song, you go to that, you type it in, it'll tell you what where, at what time of the songs where all the samples come from so you could hear the original tracks. Um, over 100 songs have been come out, including the drum beat from this song in them, including uh, Beastie Boys, um, three minute rule off of Paul's boutique. Um, fuck the police by NWA Scooby snacks by fun, loving criminals. Um, all of these like songs have used this and that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg, but, um, you can go, I'll put that link in there in the show notes. You can check it out, but you might recognize the opening drum beat to this song when I play it. Um, and like I said, you've heard bits and pieces of the song, Uh, whether you know it or not. So here's the track, Feel Good. And there it is. Les Binks is getting some uh, checks from all of the uh, samples this is being used for. 
she said the band is really cooking. <laughs> I like that. Three hot guys and one cool chick. Transition right there sounds very Ian Gillen band. Yeah. Or should I say very Marlin? <laughs> That's so Marlin. Classic Marlin. From his sitcom, That's So Marlin. Everybody loves Marlin. <laughs> feel good that um beginning a beginning drum lick like i said you've heard a million times sure i have maybe not even realized it all right feel good how do you feel about feel good do you feel good about it i feel a three about it all right that is pretty much it i mean i uh I'll be saying the same thing that I've said about most of the other songs is that it doesn't really, doesn't really take off where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that they had some dynamics in there and, and sped it up a little bit, but it's kind of like, I thought that might maybe after like the second drum, uh, the breakdown where, you know, the drums really speed up and everything that they maybe go into like some kind of fast paced jam a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe get some soloing in there, but it just kind of went back into that kind of slow, soulful thing uh, twice, which I thought was a little much because uh, they, they kind of repeated that like two times and it was like, oh, OK. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think that. Um, yeah, again, just another another track that I would rate is like good, but not great. Yeah, I think. um Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking a three as well, and I think it's uh, I think they were going for something different on this album, which was more, you know, quick, more, more 
shorter, more poppy songs versus mm-hmm. uh, going for the longer tracks. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a, it's a good song. I, uh, again, I would have liked a little bit more. Um, Foster's bass playing is incredible. Oh, yeah. Would like to hear a lot more from Marlon. I think Les Binks is great on this whole album. Just really solid. Especially on that song, he's really... Um, he let loose. Yeah, he's letting you... He's showing his chops a little bit, but... That's kind of where I stand. So, yeah, I think the album as a whole um, is... I mean, they obviously, we've already established they have some great musicians, but... Um, I don't know. I think that the the amount of how many covers were there? Three? Three, yeah. Yeah. So I mean there were three covers. And the original songs, while they were good, um, you know, kind of left um at, at times uh something to be desired, I think. So I don't know if it was really I mean the production was pretty neat too, because the production was like it wasn't completely dry. Um, as we've mm-hmm. discussed, I, I kind of like that. I the mean, drums I are pretty like dry, but n- not not necessarily the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it had a, a specific production that it worked for it. Like you mentioned, it was uh, one of those kind of cool 70s albums that wasn't one of the kind of typical go-tos. So you you could tell it has that early to mid-70s production to it, not doesn't sound too expensive or over the top, but it doesn't sound really cheap either. It's just kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I would dare to say that the songwriting wasn't really like a hundred percent there. Like, um, or maybe it was, maybe it was like, you know, great, great songs. And I just wasn't my style, but I feel like, you know, uh, the songs left me wanting them going a little, and I don't mean like a lot of, extended sections and stuff like that but you know just you know maybe didn't pick up the way i wanted to and maybe some production stuff too i mean i thought maybe the the vocals the female vocals uh you know or the lead vocals rather could have been uh you know more up front you know maybe produced a little more powerful because the the backups and the the choruses were really kind of cool um you know they're really full sounding and stuff and there were a lot of great guitar sounds so there's some things here and there. Um, on average, I think a, like a good, just a good um, 70s album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, some couple, a couple of standouts. I probably wouldn't play the whole thing back to back, but I mean, obviously there are maybe like two or three standouts on there that would go into a playlist for me. Yeah. From, from my taste, the love for sale, if they had gone that whole direction of this album, it would have been like an absolute knockout as it stands like you said it's a really good album uh it's a lot of fun to listen to um but i i i was just craving more of that love for sale of of what they did with the um with the with the breakdowns and stuff but again i I don't think that's where they're going for i think the songwriting on this album i think is strong i think it's maybe the arrangements could have been a little bit more fleshed out but it seems like they were really going for it was a different time too and they were going for more of those singles um and that's of course why that's going to keep the songs a little bit on the shorter side um would have loved to hear more as as great as the bass and guitar playing is all the playing was great but i would just would have loved to hear more more marlin solos yeah a little more flexing you know yeah so for that album, or for this album rather, 
Um, we both rated it about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yours was a little higher. I was a 3.0. We were 3.4. Um, combined 6.7. You were up a 3.30 and I was a 3.40. Right. What did I say? I think you said 3.0. Oh, sorry. 3.3. You're a 3.4. Sorry. Um, so that puts it a little bit higher than Captain Beyond, Sufficiently Breathless. And a little bit lower than John Lord Windows. That's where it falls in between right now. There you go. And um, really, over our like overall catalog so far, one of the lower ranked combined albums um, that we've had. Like yep. it doesn't fall in like the middle or the top. It falls actually on the lower side. Mm-hmm. Um, which which makes sense. Yeah, but it's also a it's, a, it's also a uh, self it's a self selecting. Um, group of albums that we have wanted to do on this show so <laughs> so True. but i mean we're, yes. we're talking about like inside of this um in this uh, vacuum that we've created um this is where it falls and and, and i say now like thus far because two years from now when we have rated like many more albums and god willing the rest of the deep purple catalog Someday. <laughs> the Deep Purple proper. Um, who knows? Who knows where some of this stuff will fall? Yep. Right? But, I mean, you know, you you stick like a... I mean, and how how fair is the list anyways? We always talk about that. Like, if you just, like, randomly, like, threw a Dean Martin album in there, where the hell would it fall? You don't know. <laughs> well, it, dep- yeah, it depends. Like, if you threw a, you know... If you threw a U2 album in here, it'd probably fall pretty low for me. Um, and pro- <laughs> probably... Lower you- than ep- Lower than episode six. Probably, yeah, probably you as well. Um, But, you know, if you threw it in there for someone else, it would be the top album by a long shot. Um, Right. But yeah, these are are just obviously the albums that we have chosen to review so far. So Mm -hmm. being on this list at all means um, we are interested and uh, liking it quite a bit and also the margins between some of these albums get really really tight when you're talking about oh it edged out this album by like 0.02 or whatever but um, <laughs> well i still think it was fun you know uh, one yeah. thing that i was thinking of when listening to this is just like look at all the list of these albums right is like a bunch of these are like just take into account all the albums that we listened to that we've heard before mm-hmm. and then the bunch of them that I probably haven't heard all the way through or haven't heard for a really long time or never heard at all. It's kind of cool that I like, I can look at that list of albums and be like, wow, that's all the music that I've been exposing myself to, like not even counting what I listened to during my off time during not recording the show. And it's kind of cool to just be like, all right, this is all the stuff that's like in my, that's been in my brain, you know? And it's like, and it's cool. Like this is a new album. I hadn't heard it before Mm -hmm. for me. So it's, um, and, and you know, we're talking about and learning and kind of critiquing and everything and forming opinions about a lot of these musicians where, like, some of them I haven't really thought about or maybe heard of. Um, like, obviously, everybody on here, with the exception of the vocalist, um, you know, I've heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's just for, for me, for us, I would say, like, expanding our knowledge and our kind of musical catalog. Um, I, I think that it's in value, it's it's important and valuable for that. And I, I think it would be the same for listeners too, you know, 
Yeah. Um, like anybody that's interested in this stuff, like we are, is like hearing the stuff for the first time. It's like, oh wow, this is a whole new thing that I'm hearing, and you know, maybe they want to go seek out other stuff that some of these musicians have been on, and you know, that's how we got down the rabbit hole. And yeah, I just think it's uh, it's a really it's kind of a really cool thing. I just it kind of crossed my mind in the middle of listening to this. Yeah, if you look at any of the albums on this list at all, I mean, there's not many that I suck few at the very bottom, but for the most part, any of these albums, I'd be happy to listen to almost any time. Um, mm-hmm. oh. All right, well, there you have it. That is Fancy Wild Thing, and they have, you know, a follow-up album to this, which only got seven songs on it, so, um, and I'm honestly, I'm not as familiar with that one, so I'd be, uh, I, I've heard it once or twice, but I'd be interested to see how that stacks up against this one one day uh, when we get to it. So, all right. Well, until next week, my friend, I will see you later. Adios, muchacho. <laughs> Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also give us a rating on iTunes to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Yeah, exactly. Let's just let's just say. Oh, oh bless you. Thank I'm not used to the not you not using the sneeze button. <laughs> I know. It's I figured first, it's the not first time on. I've actually heard you sneeze in two years. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen like. <laughs> yeah, I figured you know I, I treat you since we're not recording the actual episode. <laughs> I treat you to an actual sneeze. <laughs>